0: One of the biggest deals in private equity history becomes one of the biggest bankruptcies. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show, folks. I'm Matt Kopenheffer. Right here next to me is David Hansen. David, I've got a great headline here. Okay. It's, don't call girls fat if you don't want them to become obese as teens. That is a terrible headline. It's not good. Is that I, from I, I said it was a great headline. I was joking. It's a terrible headline. Who wrote it that? Is, Do you want to call him out? I'm or... not going to call him out. I'm not going to call him okay, out. Call call out. out. It, it goes on. The first sentence of this, of this article is, name-calling or labeling people fat isn't only mean it's not also helpful in encouraging someone to lose weight. Is that a riddle? This is, I, <laughs> I, have to, I have to parse this all out to figure out what it means. However, the message is a good one. Don't call people fat.
1: It won't help them lose weight. If you don't have anything nice to say,
0: don't say anything at all. Exactly. There, see? That would have made a great headline. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of headlines, let's go to our first headline of the day. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Energy Future Holdings Files for Bankruptcy. David, I will let you – I'll leave the, the Warren Buffett layup for you here. But this is, this is T, the holding company for TXU. This was one of the largest – private equity buyouts in history. You got KKR in there, TPG, and Goldman Sachs private equity arm. Mm -hmm. It was a $45 billion deal when you take everything into account when this was done back before the crash. Uh, It was basically, the the deal was sunk by the fact that uh, natural gas prices have done so terribly. And now they're basically forced to break apart the company Mm -hmm. in order to, to meet its debt obligations, which are gigantic. I think my lesson here from this is that you don't get extra points in investing or buyouts from flash, from ego, or complexity. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you mentioned the Warren Buffett layoff. This isn't a, a surprise to anyone that read the shareholder letter. This was the deal that Buffett invested in that he said he didn't consult Charlie Munger on, and they took what I think a 50% loss. On it After you consider The, the interest payments They got in And they didn't sell it For, for zero They got some mm-hmm. Some money from Getting out of the deal But he said The company's Basically going to Go bankrupt in 2014 We saw this before So not a huge surprise here
0: You surprised that Buffett
1: was buying Debt in this deal In the first place?
0: Mm, maybe
1: I mean it's not an area That he ventures in Too often
0: Well but- the, the, the debt, but energy, I mean, that should be an, an area that he understands relatively re- well, right? He makes
1: mistakes. And he he's, he readily admitted that. Warren I mean. Buffett. He's not supposed to ever make mistakes. But he did not consult one of your boys, Charlie Munger. And Charlie right. is my boy. Yeah. All right, on to the second headline. Second headline going over to fool.com from Patrick Morris. He says American Capital Agency earnings swing from negative to positive. Kind of, right? Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Looking at comprehensive income, and we've talked about that before, that includes changes in the value of the securities on their books, and that's where the big gain came from. The actual net income
0: was not a net income. It was, income. was still a
1: net loss here, so the underlying business of uh, getting interest income from those securities still not great. But the book value of the securities, we saw interest rates uh, fall in, in the first quarter. I think the 10-year was at 3% at the beginning of the year, down now, what? 2.7%. It's basically the opposite of what we saw here Mm -hmm. back last summer when interest rates went up rapidly. We saw a downside here for American Capital Agency. Now we're just seeing the flip side. But the underlying business is still not great. We're seeing that net interest uh, spread there, tighten a little bit. Um, So the the top-line number, or the comprehensive number, is going to look kind of flashy. But the underlying business is still not doing awesome.
0: Although... To to provide a counterbalance, we are seeing shares. Shares are down a little bit today, and I think that's investors looking at the looking beyond the headline and saying, "Well, big big headline gain there, but like you said, it's a net loss." But we don't want to necessarily ignore the comprehensive income because right. part of the underlying business is buying uh, mortgage-backed securities, and if they go up in value, theoretically, eventually you sell those at a higher price, but quarter-to-quarter quarter fluctuations are going to happen. And like you said, it was, it, was a, it was a good quarter if you're doing what the mortgage rates are largely doing, which is financing on the shorter end of the, of the curve and then buying at the longer end of the curve. So we saw some, some, middle, uh, some middle durations look more flattish or even go up. But on the longer durations, like you said, the 10-year was down. So I, as always happens in the bond market, when rates go down, prices go up, and that's why we saw the big gains there. And book value per share up from the fourth quarter, still down considerably, right. down 15% from the first quarter of last year. Yeah, so. and
1: we don't want to ignore the gains in comprehensive income because we certainly didn't ignore it when it was big losses. Right. So it's kind of a balance there. But you don't, looking at the dividends here, you don't want a company, a mortgage rate, to rely on having to sell securities in order to cover that dividend. You would like the interest income to cover that so you don't have to worry about the quarterly fluctuations in terms of getting that dividend up. Another
0: another interesting point, you, you mentioned the dividend. The the assets, the leverage has come down, they did some buybacks, the, the total assets have come down. So when you have when, when you're earning money from that asset base, when assets come down as much as they have an American capital agency, you have to start wondering about um, the, the, the
1: continuation of, of being able to, to afford the dividend. Small update on, if you remember last time they reported, they disclosed that they had actually been buying shares of other, right. <laughs> other mortgage REITs, and mortgage REITs had a, had a pretty good quarter in the first quarter in terms of maintaining dividends, so American Capital Agency saw a little bit of a bump from dividends from other mortgage REITs. I so, still think that's an interesting move.
0: I- interesting is probably the best word we can yes. go for. Third headline, we're going overseas to Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank returns to profit as legal costs ease. However, it's not – the picture isn't all that great at Deutsche. Uh, had to announce a big capital raise to help bolster its tier one uh, capital. That was not – it's a, it's a cocoa raise. It's a sort of um, – more complex instrument that goes towards Tier One capital, mm-hmm. but the concern is, is that's not going to get their capital to where it, to where it needs to be, and that eventually maybe an equity offering, uh, may be still in the offing, and that's not an ideal scenario for uh, equity investors, stock investors. So, to me, this is still. I think it's. I think it's two things. I, I think one, we're still seeing the continued recovery of of Europe in general mm-hmm. and of the European financial industry in particular. But I think we may also be seeing the difference between some more stringent rules put on European banks versus those in the U.S. It's it's kind of tough to compare tier one what, what they call tier one common ratios between U.S. and Europe because they're implementing Basel III in different rates and at different speeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got sort of the current European version that the, the what, what they're calling the fully loaded Deutsche t- called it the fully loaded version of their Tier one common at 9.5 yep. percent at the end of this quarter, and the kind of phase in tier one common in Q3 of 2013. This is that's what they used for the, stre- the Fed stress tests. Uh, U.S. Bank Corp was at 9.3 percent. So that's again the, those tier ones aren't aren't apples to apples. But you're looking at Deutsche Bank at 9.5 percent of their measure, mm-hmm. and everybody's saying, well, uh, may have to raise some equity, may have to sell some stock to get that tier one up. Meanwhile, US Bancorp granted again two two banks in totally different situations right. too. But US Bancorp at a lower at a lower rate and I think at a at an easier measure here in the US at 9.3%. Uh and and nobody's worried about that. We got to
1: look at the returns that oh, banks are generating, I mean. Sure. Deutsche Bank barely edging a a profit here in this quarter. US Bancorp one of the most profitable banks. I know. Out there. I know. So you can't just look at the capital there. So looking at Deutsche Bank, this is an enormous bank, a cheap bank, if you will. Comparing it to Citigroup, a bank that, that you like a lot, are there any parallels here? You like Citigroup? Is it is It get you interested in Deutsche Bank? I mean, cheap, huge bank, is it on your radar at least?
0: Well, I don't, I don't think Deutsche has – I'm not, admittedly not as familiar with Deutsche as I am with, with City, But I don't think Deutsche has the – the the full quite the global footprint that City has, so it's thinking about where does the where does the competitive advantage lie and I think cities, in theory, if they can clean <laughs> they clean up their act, lies in that big global footprint. So so I think from that perspective they're not really comparable. Uh, I think Deutsche is probably stronger than City in in multiple areas, um, but not necessarily on, on the global front. Uh, German economy is one of the strongest in the world and I think one of the most resilient in the world, certainly within the the Euro region. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, and that's where a lot of Deutsche's exposure is, I mean, it could be interesting from that as the region continues its recovery. All right. Going on to the focus for today, we are headed in just two short days to Omaha for the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. And ahead of that, we had... A video team going around the office yesterday asking some asking some incisive Berkshire and Buffett-related questions. I thought we'd chat about a few of those here today in preparation for the meeting. So why don't you go ahead and, uh, and hit us with the first one.
1: So the first one was, what's one thing that Buffett needs to address or one question that you would ask Buffett if you had the chance during that huge Q&A? If I was Becky Quick. If you were Becky Quick. That would be weird. That weird <laughs> But but, I, but the hair, yes. hair plus beard. It could look good. It could look good with the beard. Yeah, you look like a Norwegian, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs>
0: uh, I would have much better access to Warren Buffett than I do currently, which is zero, zero. currently. Uh, wh- what I'd like to ask him about is the investment in Exxon. Exxon has come out of the blue, basically, as one of the largest. It's not one of the big four, but it's, it's very close up there now. Uh, from, from zero to basically zero to being one of Berkshire's largest shareholdings. And we think about Buffett's core competencies typically as consumer goods and banking and finance, or insurance and finance. You could say he's even more competent in insurance. But if we look at historical holdings and, and if we look at where Buffett is invested, I mean, mid-American energy is one of the largest uh, almost wholly owned subsidiaries, it's not quite wholly owned, uh, of Berkshire Hathaway. Invested in Conoco a few years back. Had a lot of energy (laughs) futures holdings. Uh, Had a lot of investments in the energy realm. And so Exxon is not surprising from that perspective, but I'd love to hear what it was specifically that drove him to invest in it right now.
1: I'd be interested to hear more about the Heinz deal and the structure that they did it. So the 50% equity stake in Heinz along with 3G Capital, who brought on the operators to take over Heinz's operation. Early reviews Mm -hmm. that they've done very well with Heinz. They're some of the best operators in the world uh, that we've heard. Berkshire also has the 9% preferred stake, which most likely down the road will be converted into common shares here. Uh, But it seems like a pretty sweet deal for Berkshire. You get the upside with the common. You get the preferred stake. I would wonder, why are they doing this? this model more. They have such financial strength. They can borrow at such cheap rates to finance deals. It seems like a no-brainer. and I w- as, as a shareholder, I would hope they do more of these deals. You can team up with a very competent partner there, get a sweetheart deal, get the preferred stake, but also the equity stakes. I would like to hear do you, do you think, you do do you think he's more? waiting waiting
0: to try to prove it out, see how it works out over a longer period of time? Because it basically just happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like a good deal, but do you think maybe he's going to give it a few years to see how it actually pans that's out?
1: That's entirely possible, and that's why Buffett's Buffett and I'm <laughs> me. Uh, he's looking at this, I mean, a very long term thing. It could be five years before he does another deal like this, and to us, that seems like a long time, but to the Berkshire lifespan, it's not that much longer. Um, but it'd be interesting to hear if. That's kind of his preferred way of doing things now. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe. It's or, not, or sure. maybe
0: it's a template for when Buffett's no longer there, and whoever it is that's running the company can then tap selected like-minded investors mm-hmm. outside of Berkshire to do to do team-up deals. Yeah, it just seems like a good deal. I'd
1: like to see more of it. All right. The, the next question was, what's one stock that you would like to hear Buffett talk about? I already said that. So, what's so your? That's the only one. I'm going with Goldman Sachs. I mean, I could say a lot of stocks. I, I could Sachs, say yeah. Well,
0: no. Let me give you another answer, since you're since you're pressing me. I'll say Bank of America. Why? Because why not? Yeah. Right.
1: I'm sure he'll get a question after what happened. Yeah. Now.
0: Be- because it wasn't just that Berkshire owns Bank of America. He actually said in the letter that he has a lot of com- that that it's a large holding. He's not doing anything with it. It's not going anywhere, uh, and that he has. I believe he phrased it that he has a lot of confidence in Bank of America and where it's going. Mm-hmm. So. You, you init- we initially had a, a good feel from the stress tests in the car that, that Bank of America was uh, sort of in the right direction, had to adjust their right. ask a little bit. But now this, uh, this latest blow, not, not to mention the, th- the potential of, a, of another double-digit billion-dollar uh, settlement for more legal costs, I'd be interested to hear him talk about that. I'm sure he will.
1: I'm interested in sure he will? I'm, I'm interested Are in Goldman interested Sachs. Are you interested in Goldman Sachs? I am. I want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. They had a, not a <laughs> Tell similar me about deal. Goldman Sachs. Similar deal to Bank of America. He had the warrants converted into common shares. And kind of the, the news when they did that was he's not buying any more. He's just taking what they gave him, what the conversion was. I, I think the stock's undervalued. And at the time of the investment, he says he likes to bet on brains. And he hasn't really talked too much about the Goldman Sachs investment other than that. I'd like to hear if he's still interested in the business. Maybe that stake grows bigger. Okay. I see. I mean, they, they are overweight financials, I guess you could say. They have a lot of financials. in
0: it. I don't think Buffett really thinks about the portfolio that
1: way. That's true. I don't think he's trying to match it to the relative weightings to the you S&P never know. 500. You never know. All right, what's one thing you'd I like to hear? I confident on that one. What's one thing you'd like to hear Munger talk about? You already said he was your boy. He is, you He is. I would be really interested
0: to hear Munger opine on dot-com bubble 2.0, that uh, we've heard multi- pe- multiple people come out and, and, and mention this now, that particularly growth stocks have been hot, right? Not so much lately, though. Not, not so much lately. Less so, less so lately. We've had that come back a little bit. But valuations have been high. Uh, a lot of the social network— I mean, we've seen some incredible deals in the social, social networking s- sphere, not the least among them, Facebook buying WhatsApp for—it was $19, 19 billion all mm-hmm. in, Right. Um, so you've got some pretty incredible deals going on there, some pretty lofty valuations, depending on how you look at it. Um, and I'm sure Charlie has some unvarnished thoughts that he could share with the uh, the Berkshire faithful.
1: All right. How about you? Can I go back to the financials? Yeah, go ahead. We talked about Daily Journal a couple months ago mm-hmm. when it was finally disclosed what they were invested. In. Right. Almost 100% financials. Bank of America, U.S. Bancorp, Wells Fargo. Guy likes financials. Maybe he'll get a question about Bank of America. So... Wanting to see if, on this show, we talk about how the financial sector seems like one of the most undervalued sectors. Maybe we're a little bit biased. Maybe I'm looking for some confirmation bias <laughs> from Charlie Munger. That would make me feel that's a little bit better. A, of all the places to get your confirmation it's bias, not that's place. not a bad one.
0: All right. All right, heading on. Do we have a, a mailbag today? No mailbag. No mailbag, but you, you you can viewers email. can still email us. Mm-hmm. can still email us. We love getting the emails, and we respond to some of them offline as well. email address is WTMI at fool.com. So going from there to the game for today, we have a little Would You
1: Rather? Would you rather first scenario. Are you ready? First scenario. I'm I'm ready. Go ahead, hit me. Would you rather short Berkshire Hathaway or Bank of America? Um tough question.
0: Not Not really. (laughs) Not really when you think about it. I would I would probably rather if, if you put a gun to my head. Don't get any ideas. But if you put a gun to my head, I'd rather short Berkshire Hathaway than Bank of America. Particularly right now, Berkshire Hathaway has had pretty strong – I mean, it's – I don't think it's particularly – it's not overvalued right now. It's at, at most, it's probably fairly valued. But it's done pretty well lately. Um, and I think the potential for Berkshire to shoot sky high over the next two, three, five years, I, I'm, I'm not – I'm just not expecting that. It could do well. I expect it to do well. It's one of my largest personal holdings. Whereas Bank of America, I could see Bank of America, if there's some uh, positive change in environment for the banking sector as a whole, and there's some change in sentiment for the banking sector, including the change in sentiment on Bank of America in particular, there could be significant gains in Bank of America
1: over the next five years. Going with Bank of America. You'd rather short Bank of America. I would rather short Bank of America, and I'm just going to play the averages here. We have a recession every Are we what? doing not Is this a pairs trade here? Yeah, it's a pairs trade. Okay. <laughs> recession no. every, what, nine years? Okay. It's been around five years since the last one. So now you're timing the market. Market timer, baby. <laughs> um, just looking at the exposure, they still have enormous exposure to credit. I mean, it's a bank. Re- credit cards, credit card loans card. have, have ex- have exploded. What else are I they going to do? i <laughs> Have increased steadily. Oh, <laughs> Bank of the whole credit S- still still have a lot of exposure <laughs> to mortgage. I'm just saying. What are they have I don't exposure think, I to? So I wouldn't. Conductors. I wouldn't short either. But if I had to, it would be Bank of America. Looking at potential for for big blows to the balance sheet, it's Bank of America over Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Okay. I'm playing the tail risk here.
0: <laughs> tail, <laughs> tail risk pairs trade. Yeah. So, so for the market timers watching the show, they can, they can listen to you. Yeah, the
1: four-year market timers.
0: <laughs> yeah. you market timing.
1: All right, you know second. You love
0: it. Second scenario. This one, we've got, would you rather have 50% cash or no cash in your portfolio right now and be forced to keep it that way for at least two years?
1: Easy one. Easy, hit me easy, easy.
0: Market timer? Hit me, market timer.
1: No cash in my portfolio and leave it there for at least two years. The risk you run of missing out on a market if you're 50% cash is Mm. huge. And I have another chart here. Okay. I can pull that chart up. So this is $10,000 investment from 1980 to 2012 in the S&P. If you missed the five best days of the market as opposed to investing in so all days. It's like days. a Morgan
0: Housel. Is this a Morgan Housel chart? It is not. Did you copy this from Morgan Housel? No. This is a
1: data from Fidelity. You would have missed over $100,000 by missing the five best days of the market over that 32-year period. Five days. What if you just invested on those five days? You'd be pretty <laughs> saucy right now. Uh, so it, to me, it's not worth the risk. I, I'm a, a younger investor. I, I can have no cash in my but I mean, it's for it's, the next two years. It's
0: not even just about the... I mean, the five days is, is pretty striking. But then you lose another, what is it, $50,000 for the, ne- the next, the next bu- five so days. 10 days. Then if you miss,
1: miss the best 50 days, you miss that on basically
0: all of the, all of all the, gains. Of the gains. So it, pretty it's incredible. not
1: worth the risk of being 50% cash. It's going
0: fully invested.
1: For me, yes. Not for everyone, though.
0: I won't drag it out. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, for better or for worse. That's right. I'm agreeing with you. It doesn't happen often. All right, finishing off, we're going to the Twitter sphere. David, what is the first
1: tweet? Let's do it. First tweet is from Nick Timrose. He says, how much will mortgage rates rise in Fannie and Freddie overhaul? Depends on how, quote, taxpayer protection is calibrated. All right, break that down for us. Whew. Do Confusing it. Confusing there, isn't it? So we've got the Johnson Crapo bill. We've talked about it on the show before. Patrick Morris with yourself. Uh, this is a bill that proposes private capital to step into the mortgage market, mm-hmm. to the mortgage-backed security market, or
0: MBS, seriously.
1: the MBS market, but still having federal protection behind those firms. So private firms would issue mortgage-backed securities, but then they would have pr- or federal insurance. But they would, they would take some amount of the hit before it got to them. They would take 10% uh, of the risk there. So by doing that, you bring more risk into the equation. So the government's and then, taking the tail risk. The government's taking the tail risk. Uh, when you bring private capital in there, there has to be some adjustment to mortgage rates. And we have a chart uh, to go with that 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 estimates how much could mortgage rates rise from where they were now if private capital is brought in. In the extreme case, we have over 2% uh, or 200 basis point rise in mortgage rates there uh, in the extreme scenario that f- that Freddie Mac has calculated there. So by m- taking the government out so the, of the are a little bit. These are,
0: these are estimates from the companies that may go away saying how bad this could be if they go away. Correct. Okay. So, Just being clear about that. So and then Zandi is the economist from S&P, right? Right. So those look like more moderate. Or Moody's, reasons.
1: right? Oh, maybe it's Moody's. Yeah. Um, so the, when, we, when you hear the, the politicians talk about the real estate industry will not like this if, the, if Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are taken away, this is the evidence that they point to that mortgage rates could move up. That increases the cost of, of homeownership for Americans. We'll see what happens. We'll see if this bill marches forward.
0: All right. You know where there's tail risk? My where? dog has tail risk. When I'm sitting on the floor watching TV at night, my mm-hmm. dog has. Ooh, tail. Yeah. you step on it? Tail risk? No, no, no. no. That's it, a tail risk. Tail risk in my slap in my face when I mean, my dog gets excited. All right, let's go to the next tweet. That's tail risk. Homeownership rate dips to sixty-four point eight percent, lowest since nineteen ninety-five. We're already <laughs> seeing the impact.
1: They don't even have to make the changes. Yeah, to I mean, ownership to. down. Are you
0: are you concerned about homeownership rates? Is that is that a tweet that you see and you're like, oh no? This is terrible. This is scary. No. Why not? Because people are still living somewhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's, that's the case I've always made is that, okay, people aren't owning homes, but somebody's got to own structures because... Somebody's owning the apartments. Generally speaking, most people that I met, have, they, they like to live in structures with at least four walls and a roof over their head. Notice. And those things tend to need to be owned by somebody. So if they're not owned by the homeowners, they're owned by somebody who's then renting it to
1: them. Equity residential, big apartment company, they're seeing people move in. Blackstone. Blackstone, they own some stuff. They own some stuff. That's, that's a
0: good way to capture their business model. They own some stuff. Perfectly. We haven't talked about the
1: single family REITs in a while, but all those private equity firms that bought up houses, so the people living in them don't. Own the home, but they're right. still living in a home. Right. It's still, a somebody's, buying,
0: somebody's buying those homes. There's demand. It's not like people
1: are building. wandering the streets like packs of dogs. I mean, we're still living in
0: homes. Packs. There, there are packs of dogs wandering the streets in, Destro- in Detroit. Detroit. That's scary. yeah, that's
1: great. Mm-hmm. Okay, third, third tweet. It's from, from Todd Sullivan. So got gas? It could mean you've got very healthy microbes. Does you that ma- microbes. that makes you feel that makes you feel better? Doesn't it? No comment. <laughs>
0: I've got I've got a desk right next to yours, so. I, I prefer you keep your microbes to a minimum. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> it's good news, though. It is, it is good news. I would have thought the opposite. That, that it was an unhealthy sign? Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. All right. All right, well, that's on that. <laughs> we got one more. We, do, we have one more? Yeah. I, I figured that we'd be finishing on that high note. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, this is an even better one. All right, final tweet. People killed annually by sharks is 10. Lions by 100. Crocodiles, a 1,000. People, 475,000. Mosquitoes. Seven hundred and twenty-five thousand. Most surprising thing on there. What do? You, what is it? Well, I, here. Here's. Will you go ahead and say your surprising thing? Because I actually have a crocodile. I have a, real a thousand people
1: to, get killed by a crocodile every cro- year. Crocodiles are nasty.
0: I would never guess a thousand. Crocodiles are way nastier than sharks. Because think oh, about yeah. it. They can go in the water and then they come out of the water and they, and and they're also. Weren't you the one who were telling? You were telling me, that crocodiles. Like, watch their prey.
1: Oh, yeah. They stalk them Le- for two weeks, learn their patterns. Yeah. And they run really crazy like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're fast,
1: too. Yeah. Got to zigzag, though.
0: Here's, here's my real point on that, though. From, from a behavioral investing standpoint.
1: Interested to hear this.
0: Oftentimes, the things that jump out in your mind as the most dangerous, the biggest risks, the things you're going to be the most fearful of, like sharks mm-hmm. or crocodiles, for that matter, um, aren't the things that you necessarily need to be worried about. And oftentimes they're, they're red herrings. You're worried about them for no reason. And then sometimes the really small things that you might overlook and never think about and aren't really scared of. Those are the things. Trading that get costs,
1: from. not saving enough.
0: High frequency trading.
1: Man, you somehow tied crocodile deaths to investing. That's impressive. You only get that I, here. I love investing. That is what I, I love reason. investing, and that's what we bring. That's what we bring here at WTMI.
0: You, you get crocodiles with investing. I don't Boom. think you're getting that anywhere
1: else. Find me another place that does that, and I'll show you a shocked man.
0: There is the challenge for you, our viewers and <laughs> listeners. Find us another example of crocodiles being tied to investing. Other than that, that is our show for today. I'm Matt Kopenheffer. This is David Hansen. You can find us on Twitter, at TMF Financials. You can find us on Facebook, Motley Fool Financial Services. That's all. We will see you tomorrow.
1: People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what
0: you hear.